what Angie shared about the Cambodia trip. And if you can't go, the idea of uh, supporting someone who can go. Think of it. They've given their lives, her and Jason, for the last 13 years in Cambodia. Would she be there if that person hadn't given the money? I'd never heard that story before. I thought that was amazing. Well, we're going to talk tonight about hope. He's the God of hope. But before we do, I usually tell a, uh, a grandchild story, and I usually bore you all with, with that. But what I want to just quickly share tonight is a grandparent story, because some of you were right on the verge of becoming first-time grandparents, and some of you just became first-time grandparents last year. So I want to share a quick story of something that's going to happen. I'm just warning you so that when it happens, you'll go, okay, Joanne, warn me my kids were going to act like this. So, and Maurice has never heard this story. She's not here tonight. She'll hear it tomorrow. When your children have children, your children think that you, the grandparent, have lost your marbles. <laughs> and you can't remember basic things, such as how old the grandchildren are. So you all know the excitement when the first grandchild comes. So Marisa had Olivia... And we had a women's meeting one night, and this is way back before the cafe was there. We would have a women's meeting, a real women event, and then we would all go in the gym for food. And it was pizza night. Now, Olivia was four months old, just old enough to kind of hold up like this. And um, how many know at four months old, whenever you give them something, they grip it and stick it in their mouth, right? So uh, I took a big pizza crust. And she grabbed it, and so she didn't have any teeth. She's not eating, so she's gnawing on this big pizza crust. And I'm walking around, showing her off, going from group to group. Here's this little four-month-old with this big slice of pizza. I get over to Marisa's group, and she goes, Mom, what are you doing? And I looked at her, and I said, um, It's pizza night. <laughs> and, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to move on to a different group. So I started to walk away, and this is, this is what I'm warning you, this weird phenomenon. I'm starting to walk away, and she yells out, Mom, she's four months old. I went, okay, thanks. Like, she thinks I forgot how old the kid was. Now, this doesn't go away, because 12 years later, we're in the green room before a service one time, and I had received this... Estee Lauder lipstick, which you guys don't appreciate. It's not cheap. And it was way too light color for me. And Olivia was starting to dabble in lipstick and lip gloss. So I thought, I'll bring this in. I'll give it to her. So we're in the green room, and I'm going through this big spiel. Olivia, this is not a toy. This is not cheap. This is not drugstore lipstick. This is a really good one. It's not a toy. You've got all the... I'm going on and on. At the end of the service, her and Jill are up at the front whipping the thing back and forth. <laughs> But as I'm walking out of the green room, Marisa goes, she's not allowed to wear lipstick all the time. And I went, okay. Just like the pizza. I went, okay. And as I walk away, she yells out, Mom, she's 12 years old. And I turn around and I went, okay, thanks. So I'm just warning you, for some strange reason, they feel the need to constantly tell you how old the child is. And I don't get it. It's weird. But I'm warning you guys, so when it happens... Okay, we're going to talk about hope tonight. Let's get up Romans 15, 13. This is a great verse. It says, Now may the God of hope 
Did you know one of his names? He's called the God of hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you consider yourself, generally speaking, a hope-filled person? Or are you more on the negative side? Are you a a glass half-empty person or half-full? I know there's a lot of times um, we tend to give up hope in an area. You might be praying for something, believing for something. You've been praying about something for a while. And sometimes you can begin to lose hope. And that's kind of what I want to address for a few minutes tonight. Here's a couple of verses that are awesome. In fact, you should do a study on the word hope sometime. Hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of verses. Proverbs 10, 28. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. You notice how often gladness, even the first verse I read, Joy and peace. Joy, peace, gladness, those are byproducts of having hope. Somebody who has no hope is not usually a very joyful person. Somebody who has no hope doesn't have a lot of peace in their life. Peace, joy, it's a byproduct of having hope. Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. When the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Have you ever had your hopes up for something and then all of a sudden there's a letdown? I know parents like, don't, don't promise your kids something and you're better not to promise and then surprise them than to promise and then have to cancel because hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you're hoping for something and believing for something and then it doesn't happen, it's just that, that defeated You know, it's negative. It pulls you down. There was a young mom in our church, I remember years ago, and it was one of these um, divorce situations, custody, and the dad was coming to take the daughter out. And the dad was, um, the polite way of saying it would be irresponsible or unreliable. I would use the word deadbeat, but I know that's kind of rough. And (laughs) this mother was in tears telling me how Saturday after Saturday, the dad would call and say to the little girl, I'm going to pick you up at two. We're going to do this and this. We're going to go here. And she knew as a mom, he wasn't going to show up. And she'd watch her little girl get all dressed and pack her backpack and all morning, daddy's going to take me here or there. She'd go out and sit in the front porch and the mother would be inside just sick, knowing he's not going to come. And then the time would come and the mother would say, you know, I think maybe daddy got busy today. Why don't you come on inside and we'll do something else? And the little girl would be, no, no, I I know he's coming. And time would go on. He's a half hour late. He's an hour late, two hours late. And then this little girl was heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. You're better not to promise something than to promise and to change your mind. Lamentations 3.24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. We're supposed to have hope in the Lord, in his promises. Romans 5.5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Have you ever lost hope 
for something you've been praying for for a long time, who would be honest enough to say, yeah, I think I have somewhere along the line. That's kind of what I want to talk about today. If you need a dose of hope in any area of your life today, any area, that's kind of what I want to look at. Three questions you've got to ask yourself when you're beginning to give up in an area. And let me just say, it could be any area, not spiritual. It could be, you know, that physical healing you've been praying for, that salvation of a loved one, that financial burden, that job situation, that coworker, whatever it is. Any area that you've been praying for and you're beginning to give up hope. Three questions. First one, is it my problem? Is it my problem? Now, I know that sounds kind of strange, but I've heard Rick Warren many times talk about management versus a miracle. He said a lot of times, not all the time, but sometimes, as Christians, we're pay- praying for a miracle, but what we really need is management. And I'll give you a few examples. Uh, a child who's out of control, and parents will say, pray for my six-year-old, he's a terror. But maybe that child needs more boundaries. Maybe that child needs more discipline. Maybe that child needs to be parented differently than they're being parented. So maybe it it needs management, not a miracle. The area of finances, many times. Now, let me just preface this. This is not to say if you're struggling in any of these areas that it's your fault. Because sometimes things happen, you know, uh, all of a sudden you're unemployed. All of a sudden the company closes down. All of a sudden the roof leaks. I understand that. There's things out of your control. But sometimes I've seen over the years, people are praying for a financial miracle, but they're mismanaging their money. They're overspending, especially at this time of year. They're in debt. So you manage your money wrong. You break biblical principles and then come in and say, you know, I need a miracle in my finances. So it's always good just to step back and say, God, is there something I can do? I know I've shared this example before, and it's so ridiculous, it's extreme, about the young guy years ago who put his hand up in the prayer meeting and kept losing job after job after job, praying for another job. We're thinking, you lost another job. And he said, yeah, the boss won't wake me up anymore. The boss won't phone me and wake me up anymore. Okay, that's, that guy didn't need a miracle. That guy needed management. Good thing Gillian wasn't his boss. One time an employee phoned Gillian, biggest snowstorm of the year. The city is shut down. The, the, the snow bakes are this high. An employee phoned Gillian when she was manager of chapters and said, I, I can't budge. I can't get the car out of the drive. I can't move. And she went, take a bus. <laughs> so management versus a miracle. Here's a big one. In the area of health. Health issues, again, please, I'm not saying if you're sick, you've, got, you've done something wrong. There are strange illnesses that come on us for absolutely no reason. I get that. But sometimes we don't handle our bodies right. We eat junk. We don't look after our health. We don't look after our weight. We don't look after our diet. We don't exercise. Then we get sick and say we need a miracle. Can anybody say amen to that? We've got some people in the church that are passionate about health and nutrition, and I'm thankful for it. In the spring, there's going to be some great find-outs happening that you hear more of in time. But to me, it's an important area. 
And I know in our, in our family, I know my husband might think I'm overboard. How, how many have ever seen the movie, What About Bob? <laughs> so do you all know who I mean when I say Bob Wiley? Okay, so he, was, he had a lot of phobias and he was afraid of everything. And it's a hilarious movie where he ends up in some ways being smarter than his psychiatrist and he sends his psychiatrist over the deep end. But, but this Bob Wiley's got all the, he can't touch doorknobs, germaphobic, just got all kinds of crazy things. Well, one day, a few months ago, my husband is getting his, we're getting ready in the morning, he sets down this um, bottle of, this little container of deodorant that I've never seen before. He sets it on the counter, he's getting the stuff out. I looked over and I said, what are you doing? Actually, that sounds a little bit like Marisa with the pizza, doesn't it? <laughs> he puts, I said, what are you doing? Where did you get that? Because I buy the all-natural stuff. And he's sitting down this one. And you know when you're buying a fragrance and they always try to upsell you? I demoed perfume for 15 years. You go to buy a fragrance and they say, oh, but for $2 more, you get all the body products. So someone did that, he ended up with the, the deodorant to match the cologne. So he's setting it out to start using it. And I looked at this, I said, you're gonna put that on? I said, that's got cancer-causing chemicals. That is known link to Alzheimer's. It's got carcinogens, and by the way, you're putting it on your lymph nodes. You're putting cancer-causing chemicals on your lymph nodes. What do you think he did? <laughs> This is what I love about my husband. He took the deodorant, he walked over, he threw it in the garbage, and on the way back he goes, you're getting to be like Bob Wiley. <laughs> I'm making myself sound like a horrible nag, but I'm really not. Right? <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> My point is, do you need management or do you need a miracle? A stressful schedule, this sounds ridiculous. I used to book way too many things in my schedule. And then as, the, as we'd get into the week, I would pray, God, help so-and-so to cancel on Thursday and help so-and-so to cancel Tuesday morning. No, this is ridiculous. And I'd be praying, going, God, help this one. And then one day, I heard Joyce Meyer say, it's your schedule, you made it, you change it. And never ever again did I do that. So my point is, sometimes we're praying for things that really are more up to us. So that's question number one to ask yourself, is it my problem? Number two, is it his will? Is the thing you're praying for Believing for, standing on the word for, is it God's will? I've prayed for a number of things in my life that I found out later weren't his will. Have you all ever had that happen? God didn't answer that prayer. God shut that door. You were praying and you were believing. For some reason, God shut the door. And then a number of years later, you look back and you think, that's why that door never opened. That's why this door over here opened. So is it his will? Can you clearly see it in scripture? Does it line up with the word? I'll just give you some examples. By his stripes we are healed. When it comes to healing, I'm, I would tend to pray and believe and stand on the word. Amen? 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's Philippians 4.13. So if it's something that you're afraid you can't do. Um, fear. I think I've got one here on fear. 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given me a spirit of fear. So if it's something you're afraid of, or if it's anxiety or panic or anything related to fear, you know it's God's will. So don't give up on something like that, even if you haven't seen the answer yet. Don't give up on it. Acts 16.31, you shall be saved and your household. How many of you are still believing for salvation for family? We probably all are. There's probably not anyone in the place. And God's promise says you shall be saved and your household. So is it his will? Make sure you have a scripture that you can stand on. So is it your problem? Is it his will? And number three, is it his timing? Okay, now this one is absolutely huge. Many people, to me, this is where the battle is won or lost during the delay, right? You can believe for something, you stand on the word, but that prayer's not answered in the next week or month or year or decade or several decades. So is it his timing? Maybe his will may not be your problem, but it may not be his timing. And never give up on the hope of a promise that God's put in your heart because you don't know his timing. And generally speaking, we're impatient. And we tend to want something yesterday. And God's timing, it might be, you know, to God, a decade is nothing. To us, it's an eternity, right? Is it Galatians 6, 9? This is a great verse regarding his timing. Let us not get tired of what is doing good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Yeah. Two things in that verse. At just the right time, and if we don't give up. It'd be a shame to give up, and the answer to something was right around the corner, wouldn't it? That, that's an excellent verse. Psalm 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. How many of you could say tonight you need an extra dose of patience? I do too. That's the hard part, waiting patiently for the Lord, resting in him. That means not worrying about it. Sometimes prayer ends up being just worry, going over something over and over and over in your mind. Real prayer is handing it to him and letting it go, not going over and over and over it in your mind. Rest patiently in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. So if you know it's his will, and you know it's his promise, don't give up hope. Now here's another awesome scripture. Hebrews 10.23. Hold fast your confession of hope without wavering, because he is faithful that promised. Okay, so hold fast to your confession of hope because even though it's taking weeks and months and years and decades, he is faithful. And you need to get that in your Bible and circle without wavering because when the delay comes, when the, that answer does not come, when you're waiting and waiting and there's a long time, that's when we start to waver. 
Hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful that promised. Rome, I'm giving you lots of scriptures, I know, but these are awesome scriptures. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, we're going to read this several times during the course of this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope. How? By psyching yourself up? By reading books on positive thinking? Nope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how you're going to abound in hope. That's how you're going to go the distance. That's how you're going to hang in there. It's not going to be by might nor by power, but by his spirit. And when you get to that point where the going is long and hard and tough and you find yourself wavering, that's when you need a fresh dose of the Holy Spirit. That's when you need to get back into God's presence and say, God, renew that promise that I've started to give up on because it doesn't look like it's going to happen. And he will, I promise you, he will. Now, how many know who I mean when I say Neil Anderson? More, more, more people knew Bob Wiley than Neil Anderson. <laughs> wow. Neil Anderson is the author of uh, The Bondage Breaker and The Seven Steps to Freedom. And uh, we've used that a number of times, taken people through those steps. He <clears throat> has a ministry of bringing freedom to people. And one of the things he says all the time and it's true, the only power the enemy has in your life and in my life is in a lie. A lie. Okay? Now, I'm not spooky. I don't go around blaming the devil for everything. But if he can get you to believe a lie, you're toast because you're believing a lie. The scripture I read earlier on fear, another one that goes right along with it, is the righteous are bold as a lion. So if you fear, feel fearful, the word of God says the righteous are bold as a lion. Now that doesn't mean personality, it doesn't mean everyone becomes a loud extrovert. You can be quiet, reserved as far as your personality goes, but in your spirit, you can be bold as a lion. I know we've shared before, most of you probably wouldn't remember a gal that was in our church Decades ago, Arlene McLaughlin, any of, you, any of you around back then? Okay, a handful. She was as quiet as quiet. I mean, quiet. Even when she talked, super, super quiet. And Arlene Farmer taught her how to pray. And they would have prayer meetings. And sometimes it would be just the two of them in the old sanctuary. That's the kids' own room. And you would have thought there was a huge prayer meeting going on. Because when our, both Arlene's, when Arlene McLaughlin got in the presence of God and started to pray, she was as bold as a lion. Has nothing to do with personality. So the only authority the enemy has is in a lie. And the reason why I'm mentioning this tonight is when you start to believe lies, that's when you lose your hope. You start to believe when the enemy drops in your mind, that's never going to happen. You're never going to get that other job you're never going to be able to make ends meet. You're never going to be fill in the blank, whatever the lie is. And we have one of the things we do at the church that I just want to mention, because it deals with lies, is our sozo ministry. And I, this is for members or someone who's a member or in the membership class. And it's not counseling. It's not weird. All it is is a prayer journey 
takes about an hour and a half, and uh, our trained Sozo team, two of them, just take you through a prayer journey for the simple purpose of finding out what lies am I believing? You wouldn't believe the lies that the enemy can get people to believe. Crazy things like, you know, you're going to die young with cancer because your parents did or anything. Anything that doesn't line up with the word of God. And in the Sozo ministry, all we do is try to reveal these lies. And I would encourage you, if you're struggling in an area that you just can't, you seem to go around the same mountain all the time, book a Sozo. Even if we're booked for a few months down the road, doesn't matter, just get it on the calendar and go through a prayer journey where God can show you if you're believing any lies. There's some uh, verses I want to turn to. I'm actually going to do something strange. I'm going to use a hard copy Bible tonight. When's the last time you saw that? Does anyone use a real Bible at home? Yeah, me too. I went back to it. You know why? First of all, like, well, just today I'm reading, and there's a verse that hit me back in 2009 when I was in St. Martin's, and I had written it all in the, um, you know, in the margin, and all those things that you've written over the years, when you die, no one's going to pick up your device and go through and see if you highlight. In fact, that program will be obsolete. But I know there's people that have got Bibles passed down from their parents or their grandparents. And someone told me recently they were given one of Lynn Portillo's Bibles. And how precious to go through and see God's promises and things that Lynn had written in the, in the margin. So just thought, oh, and another thing I found out just this week, may not matter to some of you, but if you're a parent, it will. One of the young people told me, that because of the ease of using devices, it's now hard to even learn the books of the Bible and where they are. Now, when my kids were little, you know, you learned the books of the Bible. They'd have what they called sword drills in, in kids' zone where they'd yell out a scripture and all the kids would flip and the first one to stand to find it would stand up. I think it's great to know your way around the Bible. But if kids are doing everything on a device, that's just throwing it out there for free. I thought I'd bring this up here. This is a Bible. <laughs> so Luke, we're going to just turn to, turn to some scriptures. If it, it used to be a day where you'd hear pages flipping. Not anymore. Luke 7, you know this story. It's the woman who the Bible says was a sinner, and she anointed Jesus' feet with oil. Jesus, or it says in the Bible she sinned much. So Luke 7, verse 50. Back in 48, he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then he said to the woman in verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Do you know what that word saved is in the original Greek? Sozo. Yeah, look it up. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. In your strong concordance. That word is sozo, and it's been translated in that case, it's been translated saved. It means spiritual healing or wholeness. Next, uh, over to the next chapter, Luke 8, verse 36. This is the story of the demon possessed man from Gadarenes, and he was right out of his mind, 
And uh, Jesus cast all the demons out of him into a herd of swine. And the pig, you know the story, the pigs went over the hill. And then the people saw him the next day, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, it says. And it says in verse 34, when those who fed him saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city. And then um, verse 35, they see him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Verse 36, they who had seen it told them by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed. Healed. That verse, that word healed, in the original Greek, sozo. Okay, the same word, even though the other one was translated saved, this one is healed, it's all the same word, it's sozo. A few verses later, verse 48 this is the woman with the issue of blood. It says for 12 years, she battled bleeding, went from doctor to doctor. Instead of getting better, she actually got worse. She reached out, touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and she was healed. And in verse 48, Jesus said to her daughter, be of good peace, your faith has made you well. The word well in that story is from the Greek word sozo. Okay, so we've got saved, we've got healed, we've got well. Two verses later, verse uh, 50 of Luke 8. This is the ruler whose daughter had died, and they ran and said, oh, don't bother coming, she's already died. And Jesus said, this is in verse 50, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. The word well, as you're guessing by now, is from the original Greek word sozo. So it means to save, to heal, to cure, to preserve, keep safe and sound, rescue from danger, deliver, make free. Sozo saves from physical death by healing, from spiritual death by forgiving sin. Sozo in primitive cultures simply means to give new life, to cause to have a new heart, cause to have new hope. Because lies are revealed when you accept the truth and reject what the enemy is telling you. One more, over in Luke 17, this one is really interesting. This is the 10 lepers, and they all obviously had leprosy. Um, the whole passage is 12 to 19, we won't read it for time. They all came to Jesus, they were healed. Verse 19 is very interesting. Jesus said, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Again, same word, sozo, in verse 19. But the key verse, in my opinion, in this passage is verse 14, because Jesus did something here that he didn't do in the others. He told them to go and show themselves to the priests. Okay, that was the law back then. If you had leprosy, you were an outcast, and if you were considered healed before you could mingle back in society, you had to go and show yourself to the priest. But it says, and so it was that as they went, they were healed. As they went. They weren't healed right away. They could have been healed right there, most other times in the Bible. As they went, they were healed. I believe personally, well, two things. Many Bible scholars believe it's to show that Jesus supported the uh, religious laws at the time. I'm sure that's part of it. But I believe as they went, they were healed. That's called a path of obedience. 
And there was a path of obedience they had to take to receive their healing. They didn't get it instantaneously. And sometimes I think we need to ask God, Lord, is there a path of obedience in my life that I need to be taking right now to see what I'm hoping for, praying for, believing for? And then listen and hear what he says. It might be as simple as, you know, turn off social media and spend more time with him in the morning. It might be as simple as um, study the word. Study the word. Take a T-track class. Take it over again if you've already taken it. It might be as simple as, like I mentioned earlier, you've got to eat differently. You've got to look after your body differently. Now, I'm not saying that there's always something you have to do because sometimes there isn't. A number of years ago, I remember praying about something and praying and praying and, and crying out to God and saying, God, is there anything that I am supposed to do? And I heard two words. You know, sometimes you think you heard from God, or you may have heard from God, but then there's those times you know that you know. He said two words to me. He said, trust me. So that was my path of obedience in that situation. And that day, that situation started to turn around, started to completely turn around. So the, your path of obedience may be to actually go and do something. You may have to go and apologize to someone. I'll tell you one thing that comes up in every single sozo we do. Take a guess. Yes. Maybe that's people that have had sozo saying that. <laughs> Forgiveness. You have to forgive. If you want to be free, if you want to be everything God's called you to be, if you want to see his promises come to pass in your life, never in all the years we've been doing it have we ever done sozo and thought, wow, that was unique. They didn't have it. They've forgiven everyone. There was no one they had to forgive. Every single time, you have to forgive it's so important. It's like a roadblock in your way if you don't forgive. And if you forgave and then the offense comes again, you got to forgive again. You might say, but I'm being treated this way or that way by people. You have to forgive. It's a key. So when you're alone with God sometime, get down on your knees and say, God, what is the path of obedience in my life? And then just listen. Have your journal ready and write down whatever he says, even if it's just something, like mine was two words, trust me. Yours might be something completely different. And then ask God. Sometimes it's good to ask God, God, is there anyone I need to forgive? You might be shocked, the name that drops into your mind. It might be someone from 30 years ago that you've just kind of pushed it aside. But you know what happens is those hurts go deep. And the interesting thing about the 10 lepers to, um, we're not going to turn to it. All 10 of them were healed. Only one came back to give thanks. Jesus even said, where's the other nine? Weren't 10 of you healed? So I believe all 10 were physically healed. Only one was sozoed. Only one was set free. Only one had all those areas in their life touched. And he was free enough to come back. So I want to really challenge you today. Never doubt in darkness what God showed you in the light. 
When you've been in the light and you know you heard and God promised something and it's taking a long, long time coming and everything's going wrong, that's when you need to stand on the word. That's when you need to get some good friends around you who will stand with you. Not friends who will say, well, maybe it's time to give up on that dream. You need friends who will stand. If you were battling a terminal illness, would you want someone with you who's going to stand or would you want someone with you who says, well, maybe it's not God's will? Does everybody get healed? No. But I'd still want people standing with me. You know, it's interesting what Sally McClung is going through right now because she's in this waiting. She's in this time what you would call delay. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, these were our missionaries in South Africa um, and it's going to be two years in February that Floyd just woke up one day on his way to a meeting with uh, all nations that he runs in Cape Town, had a pain in his leg, uh, went to the doctor. They said, you're fine, sent him home. The next day was burning up with a fever, went back in and had some kind of stroke or heart attack or both. But in February, it'll be two years where he's lying flat on his back. He can't speak. He can't eat. He can't get out of bed, and yet she knows mentally, she knows that he knows what's going on. If she tells him stories of what's going on with the um, missions around the world, he'll start to weep. If someone comes in to visit him from the past, he'll cry. If they put worship music on, he'll raise his one hand. So she knows that mentally he's aware but he's just been in this state. He's had prayer. And she said to me in email, she goes, Joanne, I'm, I could go either way. She said, if God's will is to, is, she always calls it heaven or healing. If God's will is heaven for Floyd, she says, I could accept that. I would deal with it as hard as it would be. I would know what I'm up against and I would make the right decisions and I can deal with it. If it's healing, that's obviously what we're all believing for. But she's in the middle. She's in the delay. She's in the time where she doesn't know. I want to encourage you all. Keep praying for Floyd and Sam. And in the middle of all this, she battled ovarian cancer twice. And this chemo almost killed her this last time. So all this is going on on the other side of the world in Cape Town. If you read her updates that come out, I mean, they could turn that into a devotional book one day because the insight into the word and the intimacy with God that she's coming out with is absolutely unbelievable. So I want to encourage you today, if you're in that position where you're believing for something and it has not happened and you're getting discouraged, he is faithful that promised. The verse that we started with, now may the God of hope, that was Romans 15, 13, fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. I believe if you let him, he'll fill you with fresh hope today. He can reignite your faith. He can restore the hope. He can re just rekindle the dream that he put in you and things have gone wrong and you think it's never gonna happen because his ways are not our ways and his timing is certainly not our timing. But he's the God of hope. And if you go through those seasons without wavering, you will come out one day on the other side and you'll look back and you'll say, I'm thankful that I held on and that I stood on the word and that I obeyed his promises. Amen.
Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for everyone that's here tonight, oh God. And for those who are struggling in an area, I pray for those who are hoping and standing on your word and praying and believing and haven't seen the answer yet. God, that you would deposit into them a fresh hope because you are the God of hope. Hope comes from you. God, as we draw near to you, we know you'll fill us with fresh hope. You'll rekindle that dream and you'll reignite our faith.